We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Welcome back to the Champagne on Ice podcast presented by the Field of 68. College basketball is officially here, fellas. By the time this podcast is going live, it is going to be Illini game day, regular season game day against Eastern Illinois. I'm Kyle Tosk, joined as always my co-host Mike Farmer. Mike, how are you, sir? I'm doing well. How are you, Kyle? I'm doing great. I'm fired up to talk some hoops. And with the season about to get underway, I thought it'd be the perfect time to bring our first guest here on the show, a guy that I work with daily on the radio. I have to hear his voice every day on his radio show here in Champaign. Also the lead basketball reporter for 24-7 Sports' Illini Inquirer, Derek Piper. Pipes, how are you, man? Thanks for jumping on with us. I'm doing great, Kyle and Mike. I appreciate you having me on, Kyle. I figured you'd be tired of hearing my voice. You wouldn't want to hear from me, but uh, I'm uh, excited to do this. Uh, definitely going to accept the invite to be the first guest, and let's dive in on this thing. Well, we really appreciate it. Uh, yeah, let's let's just uh, talk some Illini hoops here. I, I'm curious. Let's start with preseason play. We've seen this team on the court twice in exhibition play, first game against an NAIA opponent in Ottawa. But the big one was last week, number one Kansas comes to town for the Maui Strong Relief Charity Exhibition game. The Illini beat them, and uh, we get our first look at this group against a high-level opponent. What were some of your biggest takeaways? What did you notice? What were your first impressions seeing this group take the court twice in exhibition play? And, and how encouraging was that game last Sunday? I know, obviously, a game that doesn't count, but number one comes in and you knock them off. Yeah, I think it was very encouraging because I don't think there was any question about both teams' desire to win. You look at Kansas and Illinois both in terms of their rotations, uh, really locking in on giving their starters and their their main players in their, their rotations, if it counted, uh, a you know, the bulk of the minutes. So uh, that was a legit look at Illinois against a high caliber opponent. And they looked apart. I mean, they were in control of that game for uh, most of it. You look at the fact that they led 36 of the 40 minutes. Uh, I think in terms of like going in uh, on certain aspects of it, like Terrence Shannon Jr., I know a big talking point throughout the offseason is, is he going to be assertive and, and be someone that game in and game out looks like a star, like a guy that can – Obviously, was a first-team All-Big Ten guy last year. We know that his ceiling is a little bit higher than that in terms of he could be an All-American. He could be a guy that maybe even dips into the first round if his game becomes more consistent, if he shoots the three uh, more consistently, which he did in that game. He hits five threes. He was in takeover mode. Uh, great battle between him and Kevin McCullough. McCullough is going to be uh, someone you know in the mix for 
all big 12 first teamer and, and maybe even outside chance in all American uh, honors for him as well. So uh, I thought the way that Terrence really set the tone uh, of being able to, to be a guy that said, Hey, we're ride my, ride my uh, shoulders to this, to this win really. Uh, but obviously it wasn't all, all him. I mean, Coleman stepped up and hitting four threes. And I, I think that's so important for this offense because I really like what Brad's done in terms of the spacing and playing Coleman at the five, uh, his ability to play pick and pop, his ability to be a playmaker in the the high post and uh, out to the top of the key and really against a, a, a big time, big man in Hunter Dickinson. Uh, we know you're going to see some of those across the league and like a Zach Eady and whatnot. Uh, Coleman can make that matchup uh, a bonus for him on the offensive end when he's able to space it out and shoot it like that. So uh, we'll see both those guys, have been streaky shooters through their careers. Um, so we'll see what that that looks like over a full sample size of a season. But uh, that was encouraging. Both your star players uh, really answered the call there. And then just different guys chipping in, especially down the stretch. I mean, Quincy Guerrier, uh, 24 years old and physical and strong. And his ability to attack off the dribble and get into the lane and get fouled, that was something that I didn't really expect him to do a, a ton of. I mean, I knew he was – a good rebounder, good catch and shoot guy uh, from what he showed at Oregon. So his, his ability to do that, uh, kind of be able to drive aggressive closeouts and get into the lane and, and get fouled. And Justin Harmon, just someone that wants to win, some somebody that just wants to – I think Marcus Damascus is the same way and, and kind of bigger picture. I just like how the transfers fit because I, I feel like those guys are, are older guys that have experience, but they're, they're so far from what we can tell, they seem like to, to be pretty – selfless players, team guys, and, and Harmon's cut down the lane that Coleman hits him for was a huge play. Um, so I, I like the rebounding. I, I like the the veteran presence really showing out, especially in crunch time. And I, I think across the board, there's a lot of different things you can break down about it. I mean, it wasn't a perfect showing by any means and things that Illinois is going to have to build off of. But like you said, I mean, beating number one, uh, you can maybe question, does Kansas look like number one uh, in terms of what they showed? But uh, that is a a legit top 10 team, Bill Self, very well uh, coached and well-respected. And Illinois, to, to show out like they did in that game, was a great start uh, going into the ones that count. I, I want to – you mentioned the transfers there. I know those are the guys that we're unfamiliar with. It was good to see those guys on the court for the first time. But I want to I want to kind of start and focus on – you mentioned the two stars. They played like stars. I feel like when talking about this team this year, I feel like – Terrence Shannon and Coleman Hawkins are almost getting lost in everything. Like you get those two guys back from the NBA, but the focus has been on well, point guard, the transfers, how are they going to fit in the freshmen? But really to me, I th I, the key is that Shannon and Hawkins play like they did against Kansas. And I'm curious how good uh, Terrence Shannon specifically, let's start with him because that is a big time. That's an NBA prospect. That's a guy, that's a big time returnee for you. How good do you think he needs to be for this team to reach their ultimate ceiling. What can he get better at from last year? How can he be more consistent? And how good do you think he needs to – what level do you think he needs to reach for this team to be their top capability? Yeah, no, I think he he definitely needs to be a no-brainer in terms of a first-team All-Big Ten guy. Uh, I think that if Illinois is going to have the season that it really hopes to, which is you know winning the Big Ten title, which I think that maybe now we're taking them – a little bit more seriously in that. I'd say nationally, people probably raise their eyebrows a little bit and seeing that result against Kansas and, and knowing that, you know, Purdue is, is a really good team. Uh, they had a, a great battle against Arkansas. They almost ended up falling short in, in their 
charity exhibition game, Michigan State, another team that, you know, in that top 10, top five range uh, nationally, they, they fall to Tennessee, but those are really good teams. Maybe Illinois, at least as of right now, looks somewhat on, on par with those teams. I think for Illinois to make that run at, at winning a Big Ten title, it's got to be Terrence to be young, flushed, and top, top guy. And, you know, if Illinois wins it, maybe he's in consideration. I know it's pretty easy thinking about the stat line that Zach E's probably going to put up to just pencil him in and say he's going to be the Big Ten player of the year, but maybe Terrence makes a run at that. Uh, I just think within his game, I know there's been a lot of talk, and rightfully so, about uh, being able to be more consistent with his right hand because, uh, as you, you know, I mean, throughout the offseason, a lot of the question is ball handling, playmaking, what's that going to look like? And I think that uh, right now it's a team that's relying on a number of different guys to facilitate offense and uh, Terrence's ability to to use both hands and, and get downhill is, is going to be important. Uh, I think that his mid-range game, which has been talked about a lot, and, and we'll see how that progresses throughout the season. I know he's put a lot, a lot of work in that. And I think that if he can see the, the soft spots in the defense of getting into that mid-range level and, and hitting that jump shot at a, a decent rate, that could really help him because teams are going to, as they did last year, try to wall up at the rim, anticipate his drives, but he's not going to shoot for three, you know, go up in the paint and try to make things as tough as possible for him. So if he's able to to get inside that lane, maybe pump fake a three and, and settle for that 15 to 18 foot jump shot, obviously Io uh, made a living there. I'm not saying he's going to be Io by any means, but, uh, and then I think it's just kind of a mindset for Terrence. I think it's a, an every night, make sure that my team is, is being able to follow my lead because there's some times last last year where he kind of took a back seat, you know, early in first halves and maybe Illinois was on the wrong side of a run. And, and there were just stretches where Terrence was electric, but there were also stretches where he was a, a little bit too passive and, and non-existent. So uh, just kind of that, that mentality of I got to be having my A game most nights and, and I got to be assertive because you, you know, like his ability to free throw line is just should be easy points for Illinois. So I think that's something that even just, when the three ball is not falling, just his ability to go downhill and attack, obviously that will open things up for other guys too. So, um, you know, it, I think that he has the ability to jump into the late first round if he plays his best. And for Illinois to go where they want to go, I mean, he, like I said, he has to be a, a legit star and, and a guy that's a, an A-lister in the Big Ten and maybe a, a guy that's making a run at All-American too. Yeah, we've talked a lot about Terrence. He's pretty much the clear number one option on offense. He's a leader in the locker room. But Illinois has another guy, another potential NBA talent in Coleman Hawkins this year. Uh, he declared for the draft last year, came back, didn't get the feedback he necessarily wanted. Uh, we went over our Big Ten uh, team predictions in our last episode. We both had Terrence uh, first team, obviously. And then I think we both had Coleman Hawkins on the third team, uh, making an appearance on an all-Big Ten team this year. So what do you see Coleman doing this year in terms of what he's improving for the NBA and what he's improving on in terms of maybe consistency on offense, uh, leadership in the locker room, stuff like that? Yeah, you said it there with consistency. I mean, it's, it's similar to, to what Terrence uh, has on his plate is just to be more of a consistent factor, you know, playing at a higher level on a, on a night-to-night basis. And uh, for Coleman, yeah, I, I think the three-point shooting is, is really, really important. We'll find out if that's going to be something that he's able to rise to a level of consistency. He's, he's a guy that has not shot, you know, really above 30%, 31% from three in any given season. Can he get to 35? Uh, that would be a, a huge shot in the arm for this offense. And even if it is a situation where he's a little bit up and down with the jump shot, I think it's just 
I think it's shot selection offensively. Uh, I think it's uh, being able to make good decisions with the ball in his hands because I know Brad has said it and maybe would even say it today, like, hey, we don't want Coleman to, to have the same type of load on his on his shoulders in terms of playmaking and just having to create so much. But from what I've seen, I mean, Illinois played a ton through him, like having the ball in his hands a lot in the high post uh, as a, a guy that's, you know, coming off of handoff actions, pick and pop actions. And uh, one thing I really do like is that this year, it seems like, you know, Marcus Damask obviously has shown it with his, his movement off the ball and uh, Justin Harmon, that cut. Like, I just think Illinois is going to move better uh, within a flow of an offense and, and just kind of cutting into open spaces. So him being able to see that, him being able to hit guys with timing. And I do think he's going to be someone that can have a decent assist total as a big man, uh, make that matchup tough for five men to come out and guard him. I think that's going to be Illinois' best option or best best avenue to be able to, to challenge teams in terms of what they bring offensively. Defensively, know what Coleman's going to be able to do. He's going to be able to guard just about any position. Uh, being able to switch out onto the perimeter if they need need to do that, being able to use utilize his length and his mobility to to challenge passing lanes and just be a very active and, and heady defender. That's something that uh, he obviously can do. So uh, how that looks, maybe guarding some fives, if he's going to – because it seems like Illinois' primary lineup is him at the five. So him against some bigger uh, centers that are going to try to bully him, how does he handle that? Uh, I think that's going to be interesting. Of course, Illinois can send help and try to double-team the post and whatnot. Um, but yeah, I think I think it's just Coleman being able to cut down on some mistakes, cut down on some of those those bad turnovers from last year, cut down on some of those uh, questionable shots uh, that he took, and and just try to. You know, Brad's talked about simplifying the game for Coleman, so I, I think that that's that's important for him to offensively and and just to be able to set set the table and, and play like a veteran and play like a guy that you can rely on in some big spots, and I think that's that's what you're looking for out of him. Yeah, I think one of the biggest things that has stood out to me early is you mentioned it, the the talk was that, hey, maybe we need to take some of the playmaking load off of Coleman this year. And it really hasn't looked that way at all through two exhibition games. They're they're running a lot through him. And I think that kind of leads in a perfect transition into one of the biggest question marks on this team, which has been talked about all offseason long point guard. And we've seen Ty Rogers get the start there in two games feels like he hasn't had a ton of opportunities to do a whole lot with the ball in his hand so far. I'm curious to see how much we'll see that as we work into the regular season here. But do you think this is a team that's that's kind of going to have a point guard by committee, per se, or run an offense through a lot of different guys? We've seen Coleman do it a lot. We've seen them run stuff through their wings, like Marcus Damas, Terrence Shannon. Do you think that's maybe more of what we'll see this year. Do you think Ty Rogers will factor in more? And then late in games, we've seen Ty Rogers off the court late in that Kansas game with the free throw concerns. Do you think, obviously, it went well against Kansas. You had five veterans out there. You closed a game out. Are you concerned that that's not something that's going to be very sustainable? Ty Rogers may need to prove himself a little bit more. You may need to get a ball handler out there on the court. Do you think how, – how concerned are you about that and just overall – are we putting a little too much into the point guard question? I think Brad would tell us that we are, and he even spoke about that in the media leading up to the openers, that, hey, you know, primary ball handler is something that's being attached to Ty, but it might not honestly be his reality. He's a guy out there that can be a playmaker. He's going to guard point guards. Can he initiate offense? Yes, he's going to play in some ball screen action. I love the way that he attacked the rim early against Kansas, but – uh, I think it is a situation where they're trying to just play through different spots and, and it's through a, 
I think for the most part through through a flow of the offense and it's really starting with Coleman at the top and being able to let him make decisions and then you're, you're allowing some other guys to to play in some actions like Damask who I think is a a very high IQ player and, and versatile obviously I mean he can play with the ball in his hands he can pass he can be a spot-up shooter Terrence uh, trying to get him downhill I mean that's something obviously you're gonna, you're going to try to do so uh, allowing him some opportunities to play in some ball screens. So as it stands right now, I think Illinois would prefer to go with the route of of having just different guys that you put in those spots instead of just a kind of a prototypical point guard. Like, hey, we're going to put Ty Rogers in a ball screen to start 95% of our possessions. I, I think that that's how admittedly how I thought and a lot of people have thought of what a point guard means. I just don't think that that's the reality for this team as it, as it stands right now. Now uh, I think there are going to be situations and I, I definitely noticed it against Kansas. And I think late game against the Jayhawks. Now, again, we're, we're talking about a late October game that uh, there's a lot to clean up for, for anybody that's playing uh, a competitive basketball game right now, but there were some possessions that were, were clunky late there. There were some times where it looked like Illinois didn't have a, a point guard out there on the floor. So I think Ty's development there is certainly important uh, to be able to set the table for some guys. We know that when you get in crunch time or you got teams that are, that are fighting and clawing, trying to get back into the game, they're going to amp up the pressure in terms of, you know, the bomb ball pressure, getting deep in the backcourt. Uh, and we've seen, you know, the Purdue game last year, how Brandon Newman pressured Terrence Shannon. We know that that can be an issue in terms of maybe him bringing up the ball. I know that Kyle, we've talked about on the radio, maybe, Maybe you, maybe Coleman brings it up a little bit. If he's playing the five, you you, you take that chance of, of someone, an opposing five man, if he really wants to guard you full court. And, of course, if you're going to play a, a traditional just full court trap, you, you maybe want to use your passing to be able to get through that. But if it, I'm not – just because Illinois beat Kansas uh, and has looked good offensively so far, I'm not sitting here and saying, hey, point guard won't be an issue because I, I think it still can be in spots. But uh, so far, I, I think the plan – uh, is to not put too much on on Ty Rogers' plate, and I agree with it. I, I think so far it looks like something they can withstand. But uh, yes, the free throw shooting for Ty is the reason he wasn't out there against Kansas, and, and probably will be the reason that he's not out there uh, at least in, in terms of early on in, in those spots. Can that hurt Illinois? We'll see. We're going to find that out. Um, maybe Ty shows that his free throw shooting takes a leap from. 38% above, above 50, obviously you'd like it 60 and plus for him to be out there. But uh, I, I I think it's still a reason to be very, very intrigued. And I, I think in particular late in games without a true point guard is something that I'm going to be really interested to monitor going forward with this team. And I think it could be a downfall still, but uh, early indications, I, I do like how they're usually multiple guys to, to play make. And if there's just a, an ability for guys to, see the floor well and move well and continue to have a flow within an offense which they just didn't have last year. Uh, maybe you can make up for some of that in terms of not having that, that pure floor general. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. 
Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. So, Derek, uh, I'd like to get your thoughts on the rotations we've seen. So, against Ottawa, obviously a lesser opponent. We beat them by however, however many, 50, 60, I don't remember. Uh, we saw pretty much the whole roster play. Even the walk-ons uh, got on the court. Every scholarship player scored, I believe. And then against Kansas, we saw the rotation. Most of the guys still got in the game, but it kind of it shortened towards the end of the game. Uh, you see the seniors, the veterans, transfers getting the minutes uh, down the stretch. And you see some younger guys like the freshman, Amani, DGL, uh, Moretti, Sincere, even Luke and Dane kind of pushed to the bench. So I'm curious uh, to hear your thoughts on what are the rotations going to look like early in the season against these bye games? And then as we progress to Marquette, Tennessee, FAU, and the Big Ten slate, obviously. Yeah, I think that that's one thing where, you know, Brad talks about having exhibition games, you know, charity exhibition exhibition games every you know offseason going forward uh, I do think they like the value you know if you're playing Kansas behind closed doors you're probably playing Draven Gibbs Lawhorn uh, Amani Hansberry 15-20 minutes and, and getting the chance to see what that looks like that's where you know in Eastern Illinois an uh, Oakland some of these other games in the non-conference you want to be up with, with comfortable leads to get those guys those minutes and get that experience uh, I think this is uh, I think it's a deep team, but obviously, like like you're pointing to with with Kansas, like that rotation definitely shrunk. And usually, coaches like to to ride, especially early with experience, guys they trust. And that's not to say that you know you know Dane Danger gets ten minutes. That doesn't mean that Brad doesn't necessarily trust him. Uh, Luke Goody kind of in that same range, t- nine to ten minutes. Uh, I do think that the line I trust him in terms of what he's going to do and uh, to be in the right spots and everything. But there is quite a bit of internal competition for those minutes. And I I do like the fact that you can kind of push some different buttons based on what you need. Like looking at the Kansas matchup, KJ Adams before a really athletic and strong four man. And I, I really liked, I thought going into the off season uh, that Quincy Garrier was going to be the starting four man. Uh, And in particular, I just like that matchup in that particular uh, game is that Garrier's got that physicality to him. I thought it was a good matchup for KJ. Maybe there's some other, instances where you want to maximize more shooting and you put Luke out there for a little bit more minutes uh, than maybe a, a Gary A does, or, or maybe you're in a situation where y- you wish that there was more life or more defensive intensity. So you plug sincere in there. Uh, you want to play on the fact that a, a team doesn't have a lot of rim protection or doesn't guard the post that well. So you play Dane more minutes at the five than you would in, in, a, in a different matchup. So I, I think that Brad has provided an opportunity to push different buttons with that. And I think that's that's exciting for him. Obviously, it's a challenge to make sure you have the right rotations and you're, you're putting out the right groups at the right times. But, yeah, I think that early indications are right now. In particular, I mean, we're talking a lot about point guard. Like when Ty Rogers was off the floor against Kansas, Brad went a lot with Marcus Damask bringing the ball up. Justin Harmon had the ball in his hands a little bit as well versus Nico Moretti or Draven Gibbs-Lawhorn being that that backup point guard. I, I think for the most part with Draven, uh, they're, they're still looking for him to, to learn the game a little bit more, settle into that role, see the floor, make good decisions. I think 
like a lot of freshmen, and I, you heard a lot about this, you know, last going into last season with Jaden Epps is like, all right, things are fast for him right now. He's he's turning the ball over. Obviously, we saw Jaden had had some really good stretches for Illinois last year. I think Draven will as well uh, in terms of his scoring ability, and obviously he's uh, a really good athlete too. Uh, Nico Moretti, defensively, I wonder about him. I wonder about how good he's going to be able to defend. I think that they like his feel for the game. They like that he can play in ball screens and, and be somebody that sees the floor well. Uh, but right now, I think that Brad will rely on his on his experience and, and those older guys, particularly early in the schedule. And maybe it'll take some time for for Draven, for Nico, for Amani to to kind of prove that they belong on the floor in some in some big, big spots. So uh, I think it's great that you don't have to rely on on young guys as much going into this year. Uh, obviously, we'll see how different guys react when they don't play and don't get the minutes they want. And uh, can that cohesion stay within the locker room? I think that's a, obviously a question, but I do think it's a good problem to have. You even want to call it a problem because uh, you do have a number of different options. Obviously, if, if there were to be some some injuries, some foul trouble, anything that, that might arise, you can kind of push some different buttons. And obviously, there's a, a bevy of good options on this roster. I'm curious about the the front court situation because you hit on it a little bit there, but I w- I was fascinated to see Dane Danger play nine minutes against Kansas. When you look at it on paper, I know it's a lot. There's a lot of different reasons for it, but you look at it on paper, you got a really big physical front court. You've got an All American caliber big man. You'd think that's a game where you're going to rely a lot on Dane Danger and his his bigger body in the game for you. He plays nine minutes. We've seen a lot of different combinations there. We saw in the Ottawa game, they kind of spaced it out around Ty, played Luke or Damask, whoever you want to consider the four in that lineup, but they played both those wings with Coleman at the five. We've seen Quincy get in there, play next to Coleman. We know that Dane started a lot of games last year, and Coleman slid down to the four to play next to him. And you got Hansberry in the mix as well. What? How do you see that situation kind of playing itself out? Because that, the Dane Danger usage early, I know it was just an exhibition game, but that was – very significant to me, and, and and I think that Coleman has kind of settled into that five-man spot here. How do you think the front court's going to play itself out? Do you think it's going to be really matchup-based and fluid, or do you think there is going to become a point where, hey, maybe Dane doesn't play as much as we think, and he does really lean into Coleman at the five spot? Yeah, I think primarily Coleman at the five is what this team really wants to, to ride with, and I think it's the best pairing with Ty. I think there is a question of, Dane's ability to play with Ty in the same at the same in the same lineup because of the the floor spacing and you want to be able to open up that lane uh, for for Ty to drive and I think it's it's obviously be, beyond Ty like when Coleman's playing the five and he's able to play that that pick and pop that high post that leaves a lot of space in the lane not only for Ty but for Terrence uh, for Marcus Demasi uses cutting I think that opens up a lot now that's not to to say I think there's going to be some some spots and knowing how Dane's performed against some of these low major, mid-major type of teams. Don't be surprised if, hey, we watch Monday night and Dane's got 15 to 20 against Eastern. Like, that wouldn't be a surprise. Like that, That's something that he's obviously capable of. And that's not to say he's just going to, you know, feast on the on the cupcakes either. I mean, he's had some moments, uh, as he did last year in the Big Ten, uh, of being able to be a, a reliable throw it into him on the block and be able to get offense. I think there's going to be uh, some opportunities for that. I think when you look at the Kansas game in particular – defensively obviously Brad he spoke to it in the post game like uh there was a difference in Illinois ability to guard guard ball screens when Coleman was the five versus when Dane was out there there are times where Dane is he's got to play a different style of defense got to play in the drop coverage and uh last year he kind of later in the year got caught and kind of playing no man's land and 
Uh, he's got to be able to move his feet and get good positions, help, and then recover to his man. And uh, when Hunter got a couple of lobs off that that pick and pick and roll, then obviously uh, Brad wanted to put Coleman back in there because Coleman's got more just more ability to cover and have range with it. So uh, I think that Dane's minutes will be fluid based on matchup. Uh, I think that for the most part, uh, I think that Quincy at the four is going to be something that is going to be established, especially if he continues to produce. But you got a lot of options. Like you can play Goody and, and Damas together. I think we're going to see some of that. I think we're going to see um, Amani probably not get a ton of opportunities early uh, unless you're in um, some cushy spots in terms of games you're, you're leading by a lot. But does he have the ability to push some guys? Like, uh, yeah, I think he does. I think he – as he develops, um, and if Illinois gets in foul trouble, they know that he's going to go out there and rebound, going to play hard. Uh, so we'll see how that goes uh, going forward. But, yes, I think bottom line, uh, Coleman at the five um, is something that I think is going to be established as the way that Illinois primarily wants to play. I don't think Coleman's going to play a ton at the four, personally, just based on kind of how I've, I'm viewing it with with Dane and Coleman out there in terms of their, their pairing together. Um, if Coleman shoots the three better, then that does – allow that to be a little bit more of a, a combative compatible matchup. But uh, I think that I'm not writing Dane off. I'm not saying he's not going to impact this team, but uh, I do think there will be situations, especially when you're going to face a, maybe it was the fact that, you know, Dickinson's seven, one and Dane at, at six, nine, six, 10, he, he can't contest on the inside, maybe quite as well. Uh, but I think offensively just the spacing they want kind of the, the five outlook, um, the playmaking they need out of different guys. I think that that bodes well with Coleman at the five primarily. All right, Derek, we head into the regular season now. Illinois has got a pretty loaded non-conference schedule. You got three top 10 opponents, at least in the preseason AP poll. You got that game at Rutgers uh, to kick off conference play. You got the bragging rights game as always. Finally get to see this team and some games that count. What are some of the main things you're going to be looking for here, especially as Illinois faces some of these higher-level teams? And and what's going to be the key for this team? Obviously, a veteran team that Brad has said multiple times he thinks that there's going to be a lot of steadiness with this group. Do you think that that can play out early on as you get some of these high-level opponents in non-conference play? They're going to need it because they're going to need it because they're going to get challenged. You know, Marquette's going to come in in about a week, and that's a really good team. Tyler Kolick's one of the best point guards out there in the country. Marquette was one of the hottest teams going in the, into the NCAA tournament, the last squad to knock off UConn uh, when you look at last year's uh, season. So uh, that's going to be a big challenge. And uh, unfortunately, that Kansas win doesn't count on your resume, but obviously Marquette could, and that would be a nice quad one win to, to be uh, a builder towards what you're going to look at in the NCAA tournament. Uh, you go into December, then it's really loaded. Um, Rutgers on the road, like on paper, Rutgers doesn't look that great. Uh, you lose Cam Spencer, you lose McConnell, you lose Mulcahy. Uh, I still have a lot of respect for Steve Peichel and the, the teams that he's been able to build. Like Those are tough, hard-nosed, good defensive type of teams, and that's a good environment. And obviously, uh, Cliff Morey is a, a really good big man, but uh, I think on paper, Illinois should be able to go in there and, and get that win. Uh, FAU. Final Four team, bring back everybody. Uh, I think it's going to be a good test, particularly in the backcourt. You look at, uh, you know, uh, Elijah Davis and or John L. Davis uh, and, and those guys, uh, Elijah Martin that they got there in that that backcourt for FAU, and uh, that's going to be a, a good test along with Tennessee, who we saw. If you're paying attention to the the charity ex- exhibition game against MSU, I mean that's a that's a really good 
defensive team. Uh, they get Dalton Connect, an uh, impact transfer, who obviously went uh, nuts in that game. So uh, that will be a tough test. But I, I think in terms of what I'm looking for, like just continue to have that cohesion and flow offensively. Right now, we don't have a ton to go off of, but the early indications, I think ball movement, player movement within a half-court offense has been pretty encouraging. I think for the most part, this team is sharing the ball well. Uh, there have been some some key highlight plays of you look at the Kansas game where they, you know, all five guys touch the ball in one possession. Damask enters it into the post. It skips to the the opposite corner. It swings all the way around for a three. Like those are plays they don't know. I just wasn't making last year. It seemed like they try to want run one action and all of a sudden things would break down and they ended up taking an ISO step back shot. Like there was a lot of those type of plays last year. Can they have this continued flow within their offense and look like a team that even though they're going to play guys that, you know, as a as a unit, haven't played a ton together. Uh, that is a benefit, though, of, of playing in Spain, of having older guys, obviously having the Kansas exhibition under your belt. So does, does that translate over into some big spots uh, as you go through this non-conference slate? I think also uh, closing time, clo- closing time stretches. Uh, I think it would not be surprising to anybody if it's playing Marquette and you get the under four timeout and it's within a possession or two. Same thing, FAU, same thing, Tennessee. You'd hope to be in that spot on the road, obviously, at Tennessee. How does this team execute? Uh, wh- where do they go to? What's their identity late in games? Who's getting the ball? Uh, what are their, their kind of go-to plays? And uh, without, let's say, it stays the same and Ty's not out there. Uh, not that even if Ty was, you know, he's an ex- inexperienced guy in terms of being on the ball. How effective can their offense be? I think defensively, they should be pretty good. I think – Uh, You've got enough in terms of individual pieces, good team defenders, um, rebounding wise. They should be uh, in a good spot to to compete on the glass, just kind of with their their veteran uh, statuses and and physical bodies and being able to hit the glass. So uh, a lot of my focus is offensively, just how well they're 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 ready to to be effective and and run things and get good looks and everything. Look, threes aren't probably going to fall. If they do like they did against Kansas, then, hey, this team's going to be making some real noise. But maybe that's another thing, too, is like on nights when Terrence doesn't hit five threes or Coleman doesn't hit four, how well does this team still score it? So I think those are things that I'll be looking for uh, in this first part of the schedule. All right, Derek, before we let before we let you go, uh, I'd like to get a one last preseason Big Ten prediction, maybe a March Madness seed prediction. Do you think we stay in that preseason uh, Big Ten top three with Purdue and Michigan State. Do you think we finally break the Sweet 16 drought? Uh, I'd like to get your thoughts on that. We're putting you on the spot. Yeah, if, you, if you're not picking a Sweet 16, everyone's going to riot. Just keep in mind. Oh, boy. Um, Kyle, you know, because we talked a lot about this on the radio, we, you and I both like Maryland quite a bit. And uh, I I know that for our Atlanta Inquirer submission to the Athletic for the preseason poll, we had Maryland third behind Michigan State and Purdue and Illinois fourth. Um I do think Illinois is going to be in the mix. I think they're going to be in that top echelon. I think they're going to be a, a more consistent team this year. Uh, I'm not going to predict a, a Big Ten title or anything, but I think they're going to be challengers. I think they're going to be somebody that uh, makes a legit run. And I, I think that that Kansas performance, at least based on what we can go on right now, shows that maybe Illinois should be taken a little bit more seriously as a, a Big Ten title contender. I, I like Illinois' chances to get to the second weekend. I'm not going to guarantee it. Don't uh, put me on the record and have – Old takes exposed, pull this up if Illinois gets a bounce in the first round or anything. But, uh, yeah, I, I think that uh, veteran teams obviously do well in March. Um, yes, I know that a counter there would be, hey, good guard play, 
Uh, point guard play especially uh, is something that usually tends to lead towards extended runs. No one doesn't have that in, in terms of a point guard, but uh, I, I think just the depth, the the amount of veterans on this team, the fact that Terrence has been in this program now, it's going to be his second year. I think he's going to know a little bit more in terms of how to how to fit in, what's a, where to pick his spots, and uh, how to lead this team. I think Coleman being a four year guy, I, I just and I really I really really like Damask. I think Damask is a really nice addition. Uh, I think that Harmon and Garrier fitting in. Uh, I think this team has a, you know, if they were in the the four or five seed line, and obviously you're going to have to uh, beat a like team if, if that were the case, if you're a four playing a five or vice versa in that second round, uh, you never know how that's going to go. Um, but I, I I just like what I've seen so far. I'm a fan of this team, and I, I do think that they have a decent chance to get the Sweet 16. And obviously we all know Atlanta fans need that so badly. We really do need it. Please, please. <laughs> Uh, well, uh, Derek, thanks a lot. We really appreciate your time here. Great stuff. Um, and uh, best of luck to you. What what year is this for you on the beat now? Man, you're dating me, Kyle. Man, I've been on this beat probably since you guys were in middle school. It's not longer <laughs> than that. So, uh, you know, I, I started probably, I think it was 2014. I went through a lot of the, the John Gross years. I've seen a lot of seasons without NCAA tournaments. So I like the fact that we're on a nice little run of me uh, having somewhere to go and mid-March and obviously expecting the same thing there but uh yeah I'm obviously excited to, to join you guys thanks for having me on and uh maybe we'll catch up again later in the season absolutely we'd love to have you back best of luck to you hopefully it's a successful year of, of covering this team a fun year of basketball uh, we really appreciate it yes sir thank you guys good stuff there Derek Piper, appreciate having him on. That was some great insight here as we continue to preview this season. But, man, by the time this podcast goes live Monday, November 6th, it is game day. College basketball is officially back. Illinois tipping off at the State Farm Center, 7 o'clock, against Eastern Illinois. This first week, you know, we'll, we'll be back here next week previewing a big-time matchup against Marquette coming into Champaign. But this first week, you got two bye games. you got Eastern Illinois. You've got Oakland. It'll be interesting to see this team in games that count. We, you know, we mentioned it in the, in the last segment with, with Derek, with the rotations. Are we going to see similar things? And and just, you know, continuing to, to see this point guard situation play out, see who they run things through. Um, if there was a, a big thing that you're looking for here in these first two bye games, we're probably not going to learn a lot. Illinois should win these games handily. But there was a couple things you wanted to pinpoint, a couple things that you'll be eyeing as Illinois takes on Eastern Illinois and Oakland this week, what would they be? Yeah, we keep talking about it. It's been kind of the focal point of our last two podcasts. And Derek talked about it too. Uh, it's point guard play. It's who's going to run the offense, whether it's Ty Rogers, whether it's maybe a freshman, DGL, Moretti, maybe uh, Terrence is running point. We saw Domask running it for a, some extended period of time versus Kansas. I just want to see how they're running the offense – maybe like assist to turnover ratio. Does it look fluid? I really just don't want to see pretty much exactly what we saw last season. Derek mentioned it. You mentioned it last podcast. It was brutal, brutal to watch. It was just taking up the whole shot clock. One guy chucking a three. It wasn't pretty at all. So I'd like to see that. I'm going to be focusing on that for sure. Obviously uh, it's a bit lesser competition. It's going to be a big focal point versus Marquette next week. And then uh, besides that, I would say, how does the three-point shooting look? Free throw shooting probably won't be huge the first two games, but when you look at a game like Marquette, 
could come could come down to the wire. We could have maybe free throw shooting being a huge factor in that game. So I I'd, I'd like to see that improved upon, and I want to see some consistent three point three point shooting because we did not really see that last year. Yeah, the the three point shooting thing I'm going to be watching for sure because we even saw it against Ottawa. They take like 42 threes. Now they made. 10 or 11 of them. I mean, they, they made a double digits. They took a ton of them percentages in the twenties. You have a good shooting night, shoot 41% against Kansas, but yeah, Terrence Shannon goes five for nine. Coleman Hawkins goes four for nine from three. We've seen those guys play college basketball for four years and five years, and they're really streaky. And that's not something they just haven't been that consistent where you can rely upon that uh, every single game. So can this team survive if those guys aren't red hot from three? I'm sure they're not both going to be shooting five of nine, four for nine in both these games, even against lesser competition. Maybe they won't take as many because they won't be stopped inside. But I, I'm curious to see, you know, do we see Luke Goody catch fire a little bit? He struggled in that Kansas game, was a nice spark in in the Ottawa exhibition, made a couple threes early. Uh, can Damask be consistent from beyond the arc? Can Quincy hit some open shots? Can Justin Harmon hit some open shots? Uh, the three-point shooting I'm definitely going to be looking for because I'm not taking the 41% against Kansas as gospel saying we fix this thing because that was your two-star players playing great. And that you know that you don't want to overlook that, but you're just not going to get that type of hot shooting from those two guys every night. Can you still shoot a, a capable percentage when those guys aren't shooting the way that they did in that game? Can you get some complimentary pieces to make some open shots? And then I'm curious to see if they run more through Ty Rogers here and, and just get him more experience on ball because we just haven't seen it in the preseason. And maybe that's really kind of what the entire plan is. I mean, Derek went through it. I mean, they've they've run through they've run things through a lot of different guys, and and Coleman's a big part of that as well. And they're going to continue to run things through him, whether that's through the top of the key in the high post, and and trust him with the ball. But I want to see against Eastern Illinois, against Oakland, I want to see Ty Rogers in some ball screens and see how he performs in in those. And I want to see him, obviously, you're not going to be in a situation where it's late in the game and you're, well, hopefully, I don't want to jinx anything, but hopefully it's not two minutes left and you're up two against Eastern Illinois or Oakland and the free throw concerns come back into play, like you said. Hopefully that's not something we're discussing in these games. So, so you can leave him on the court a little bit longer and really just just give him some reps on ball and see what he's made of in that. Because, you know, we've seen that a couple of times, but really it has been. They've, they've run a lot of things through a lot of different guys, and it hasn't really been uh, – the focus hasn't been put on him as that lead ball handler much. So I want to see a little bit more of that. I'm curious if they will do that. And, and yeah, the, the, the depth is going to come into play more. I mean, for – Heading into a game like Marquette in the third game of the year, a week from Tuesday, we saw Brad really shorten the rotation against Kansas. Maybe these two games are an opportunity for some of these guys on the bench to prove themselves and to come out hot and to earn minutes in those higher level games. Dane Danger has an opportunity. I mean, we saw last year he dominated those lower level teams. I mean, he looked great. These teams should not match up with Dane Danger down low. He should have good games in both of these games and really try to earn more minutes uh, than he got against Kansas. You know, Sincere Harris has an opportunity to come out and play well and, and earn some more time. Luke Goody can bounce back from that Kansas game. The freshmen, especially if they can really flash like they did towards the end of the Ottawa game, then then that just makes it all the more difficult for Brad and maybe gets him out on the floor some more. So I'm curious to see in, in two games that count and, you know, how all these pieces look. Do we continue to be encouraged by the offense? Like you mentioned, is it still fluid? Does this team still look connected? 
in games that count and and some of those other questions, the shooting, the point guard spot will continue to play themselves out. Yeah, I love what you're saying there about sort of the depth, get these guys going. These are two by games, two tune-up games getting into the Marquette game next Tuesday. I really want to see these guys like sincere, uh, Dane, Luke Goody. We're going to need Luke Goody's three-point shooting against Marquette. That's probably going to be a pretty high-scoring game. Going to need sincere maybe to come in and stop Tyler Kolek for a couple possessions. You might need Dane to, in the low post against Marquette. They've got some solid front court pieces. So I just like to see as much as possible. It's 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 easier said than done, but uh, get these guys going, get the rotation looking decent, uh, get the depth, get these guys like motivated, uh, energized, and feeling good about themselves going into these bigger games down the stretch. Yeah, and, and Brad is going to be free to try some different lineup combinations and and we saw that I I think in the exhibition game against Kansas I mean both coaches treated it like a real game I think in his mind he wanted to get a feel for what a real game like let's say the Marquette game is right now this is how I would play things if a guy doesn't have it I'm going to pull him I'm going to trust my veterans in these two games assuming that you can get out to an early lead assuming that you can comfortably be in front of these teams in the second half it's just it's a great opportunity to in games that count and in games that you still need to have urgency for just try some different things and and like you said and, and like we talked about just get some different guys going and and let guys play through mistakes a little bit more than you would if you were in a high level battle with Marquette um before we get out of here let's uh let's hit some predictions here uh season kicks off uh, tonight and you know let, let, let's let's give some predictions here for this season um, you know this is a, a team that I think there's some fairly wide-ranging opinions I've seen some people super high taking that Kansas game and saying this is a final four caliber team and and I've seen uh, people with some rightful concerns as well I, I'm curious where you stand uh, on that and and let's just kind of go through Record, regular season record, 31 games, 11 non-conference games, 20 conference games. Where do you think this team falls? Big 10 race, do you think this team competes for a Big 10 title? Where do you think they fall? And is this the year that Illinois breaks their 17-year Sweet 16 drought? Actually, be 18 years by the time we get to March. Yeah, that, that Sweet 16 drought is pretty much as old as us, which is – it's worrying. I don't like seeing that. Yeah, um, I was uh, – I was one year old when they made their Sweet 16 with that 05 team. And had you been born yet? <laughs> I was like five or six months old. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. There you go. All right. Uh, in terms of the schedule, I don't know about making predictions for these Marquette, uh, Marquette, Tennessee, FAU. I like the one and two. I think we could push to two and one based on that Kansas game. I don't want to get too hyped up based off that Kansas game, but we'll see. It's going to be fun to watch. In terms of the Big Ten, I would say I predicted us third. I think that puts us at maybe 14 and six, 15 and five, right in that area, probably a game or two behind Purdue and uh, Michigan state who I have ahead of us. So I'm probably going to go 15 and five, maybe eight and two at home, seven and three on the road. I think we defend the home court pretty well. I think we'll most likely drop two to Purdue. It's uh, their dominant. Zach Eadie's probably the best player in the country. It's going to be really tough to beat them at Mackey and at home, of course. I do think we split with MSU. We play them twice. and I'm going to make a sort of a weird prediction. I think we win on the road and they beat us at home. That's just my weird prediction of the day. Um, and then I think we drop a couple more games, uh, potentially Maryland, potentially Ohio State, maybe Wisconsin. 
I don't think we're going to drop a t- uh, drop a game to one of those lower teams in the Big Ten. I think we have in years past, like uh, teams like Rutgers maybe who beat us at the rack. I think we take care of Rutgers at the rack this year. And like I said, I'm thinking 15 and five, third in the Big Ten. I, I don't really want to make a Big Ten tournament prediction. That's too far away. Yeah. Yeah. But then um, in terms of March Madness seed, I, Derek mentioned that four or five line. I think that's reasonable. I think third in the Big Ten puts you right around that range. Depending on how we do in the non-con, you got three or four pretty high-quality teams you're playing. Maybe pick up a win there, move up to the three line. Who knows? Maybe you dropped a five or six. And I, I, I don't really want to break the Sweet 16 drought, so I'm going to say we win at least two games in March. And, yeah, that's my prediction. You going Final Four, or are you just going to stop at Sweet 16? Are we on the Final I'm, Four bandwagon? I'm not going to get too greedy. No, I'm not going Final Four. I I don't even want to push Elite Eight either. Yeah, well, yeah, just get us get us a second weekend, and we'll, we'll progress forward from there. That's all we need. Um, yeah, I mean, I yeah. Uh, I'd love for for everything you said there to come true. I'm probably a little more cautious with my prediction than you are. I think in the non-conference, to me, you break the 11 games down, you got six games you should absolutely take care of, or you got, excuse me, seven games that you absolutely should take care of, four games that are going to be tough tasks. And that's, uh, you know, Marquette, uh, Florida Atlantic, Tennessee, Missouri, um, four high major opponents. I think they go two and two in those games, and I and I'd be fine with that. If you told me we, I could sign up for two and two in those four, however they may fall, I'd be all right with that. I think that gets you two resume wins, um, and I, I just think you know, college basketball. You, you get a game at home here, you get a game, two games at neutral, one game on the road. I just I don't know exactly how they're going to play out. I think Illinois has should have a chance to win every game. I, I'm cautiously optimistic about the game against Florida Atlantic. I'm kind of pessimistic about Tennessee, but just overall, I think you go two and two in those four, and that leaves you at nine and two in the non-conference. Big Ten wise, I had them fourth last week. I think it, you know, the Big Ten. There's some quality here from from about one through about ten or eleven to me, and I just think. To me, I think that the champion, whether that's Purdue or Michigan State, we both pick Purdue. I think it's going to fall right in line with last year. Purdue went 15 and five and won the league. So I think Illinois in fourth place. I have them at 13 and seven in the conference. Um, which again, I think I'd, I'd take that absolutely. I think they're capable of more. But with it, with a pretty tough conference schedule, you got Purdue twice. You got Michigan State twice. Uh, I believe you have Wisconsin twice. You only have one against Minnesota and one against Penn State, if I'm not mistaken. So it's pretty tough drawing the conference slate. I think 13 and seven is kind of the sweet spot for me. I think they're pretty good at home. I'm kind of with you eight and two at home. I think you should be able to defend your home court there. And then, you know, you just go 500 on the road in conference play five and five gets you to 13 and seven gets you in that top four mix. And that's kind of how I see things. So I got them at 22 and nine, 13 and seven in the conference, a notch below the top. I think Purdue wins it. Illinois hangs around in that race. Um, but I have them fourth, as I mentioned last week. Uh, and then, you know, you get to the tournament. I, I probably, I think my prediction probably puts them around the five, six line. It's probably not enough to get to a four. Maybe it is. Never know. I probably have them five, six in terms of seating. And yeah, I just, Part of it is absolutely the bias in me and the and the fact that I want it to happen. But I, I do think that you can rely on experience in March. And I think 
what we've seen the last couple of years with the draws that Illinois has gotten, it's about time that they get a favorable draw. It's about time that they match up really well with two teams and win two games in the tournament. They're due. And I just think it happens this year. I'm with you. I'm not, I'm not going final four yet. Maybe talk to me in a month and a half after they play Marquette, Florida Atlantic, Tennessee Rutgers, maybe I'll change my mind. I don't quite think that they're that good. I don't think they're final four good, at least yet. They haven't proven that yet. I have too many questions to go that far, but I do think they win two in a row in the tournament. It's just time. It's just time. I think you got to get some draw luck this time. I think the experience is going to be important. And I just, I think it's time. And if you're a five, six seed, you should win your first round game and you should be in pretty much a toss up with your second round game. And I just think it's time that they get a favorable matchup in that round of 32, finally break through. So I'm with you. Sweet 16. You probably have a few less losses in the regular season. But overall, I think we're both pretty optimistic. I think this is going to be a pretty good basketball team. Yeah, for sure. One more thing. I think we're also due to beat Missouri. I know we beat them, uh, yeah. I think, two years back. I'd, but Brad Underwood just cannot beat Missouri. I think it's the year. They've got a solid roster. They've got some really good transfers, actually. But, I mean, we're still better. We're just due. Yeah, it's going to be experience versus experience. They've got a ton of older guys. I know they brought in some transfers, like you said, some older fifth-year transfers as well. So, it's yeah, you got – come on. Please beat Missouri, man. I just – to me, with the non-conference, like, it just – I can't have all – even if – let's say Illinois enters that game at whatever it would be, like – even if they're like 10 and one entering that game and Missouri's like seven and three or whether they're off to us, like it's the damn bragging rights game. Like it's just, you throw the records out and it seems like Illinois always comes out flat in that game, at least the last couple of years. I mean, they, they had that nice run actually, ironically under John Gross, they had a run where they won like five in a row against Missouri. And then they had the game two years ago on the big 10 title team where Kofi and co blew them out by 30. Other than that, I think Brad's lost every time to them. Maybe his first year when both teams were horrendous, he won. Uh, Trent Frazier's freshman year. But I think he's like two and five or two. He's entering year seven, so he'd be two and four. But it's time to beat Missouri, man. And it's time to make it. Let, let, let's just knock out all the demons this year. Beat Missouri. Get off to a fast start. Make a sweet 16. Whatever else there is, beat Purdue for the first time in forever. Whoever else, we Win haven't beaten Maryland rack. in forever. Yeah. Beat Maryland. We haven't won at the rack in forever. Go do that. Like, let's just – let's knock all these things out this year. Let's do that. Looking forward to it. Looking forward to it indeed. That'll wrap it up for us. We got some basketball to watch coming up here. Uh, we will see you again next weekend to actually break down some games that counts. And, uh, and that should be exciting. And, of course, we'll have the Marquette game coming up a week from now that we'll preview 100%, spend a lot of time on on next week's show. But uh, for now, once again, uh, the plugs for us, go follow Champ at Champagne on Ice on Twitter. We'll be doing some live tweeting during games. We'll be asking for uh, some reactions. We're getting everybody involved here. We, we love to read comments here on the show. So make sure to go follow at Champagne on Ice on Twitter. Subscribe here, Field of 68 Podcast Network on YouTube. Uh, give us a rating review on all the podcast platforms. Again, still working on Spotify. I apologize for all you Spotify podcast listeners because we are uh, having some difficulties with that, uh, working on that right now. But we are on Apple Podcasts. We are on Megaphone, Google Podcasts. So uh, anywhere you get it, uh, feel free to, to drop us a rating there. Uh, for now, 
Kyle Tosk, Mike Farmer. We're going to go watch some hoops, and we'll see you again next week. Any last thoughts? Uh, that's it. I can't wait for the season. Go Alana. College Hoops is back. Fired up about it. Have a great week, everybody.